Hi everybody, I hope you're doing well. Today is, when I'm recording this intro, is June 27th, and if you are a working mom, or a mom, or a dad, or a person, um, I'm assuming that you're having a busy last few weeks. For me, it's always really, really challenging to transition from school to camp. I just find it like really exhausting, the structure's off, and it's hard. So, with that being said, I hope this episode is fun for you to listen to because it was fun for me to record and now I'm going to give you the backstory. So um, I got an email from a listener on June 1st and I'm going to read it to you. Hey Gila, this email is way, way overdue. I stumbled across your podcast back when I first discovered podcasts at the beginning of COVID, so at least three years ago now. I think you were you were mentioned or interviewed by the founder of Have a Try, maybe. I had heard of intuitive eating here and there from a few friends and relatives of mine, but was slightly cynical about what I thought I knew about it. Actually, come to think of it, one of the friends who had mentioned intuitive eating to me was Yael Holland from Scranton. Yes, I'm from Scranton. Okay. In any case, I just loved your style and interviews and was quickly hooked by your show. Your podcasts have been the soundtrack to so many late nights late night cleaning sessions and commutes to work. Thank you, thank you, thank you for introducing me to Intuitive Eating. Thanks to you. I bought both the book and the workbook, have worked my way through most of most of both, and certainly have a completely different attitude towards food and body image. Listening to you truly changed my relationship with food and with so many aspects surrounding that. And I am so grateful for you, um, Put what you put out into the world. Okay, so this email is from Peril Augustine. I hope I'm saying her last name right. And she actually came on the show. So I interviewed her and, um, the email goes on to say, um, she's looking to join an intuitive eating group. So I'm actually, I actually run intuitive eating groups. So reach out if you're interested in joining, um, there, it's really great. It's collaborative. People could join once a week. You will get the access to the recording. It's a 12 week group. And besides for learning the principles of intuitive eating, you get support from other like-minded women. So that's really, really great. And the third part of the email is, I'm gonna read it again. I'm gonna read from the email. And the third reason, as a psychologist, one of my special specialties is CBT for anxiety and depression. So since my early days of training, I've also come across a number of patients with related or standalone binge eating disorder. When I first began training, I used straightforward, straightforward CBT for BED, which is binge eating disorder, as a treatment model. Recently, with my new love for intuitive eating, I became I began incorporating intuitive eating, psychoeducation, and principles into treatment for BED. I just had a session last night with one of these patients and was absolutely blown away by the incredibly powerful changes she has made in her life and attitude towards food in just a few sessions of work. Thanks for the power. Thanks to the power of the intuitive eating approach. And you get so much credit for each of these patients who come, who came to me raving about intuitive eating. I wanted to pass on the nachas and say a huge thank you. May Hashem bench you with continued Hatzlacha and Koach to keep on changing people's lives and spreading joy and freedom, which is so nice. So, um, I really read the the email because first of all, I really, really appreciate feedback. Like I put a lot of work and time and effort into this podcast and I just really, it really makes me feel good and makes me want to continue doing it when I know that people are listening and that it's helping them. So that's, that was like really, really beautiful. And when I asked her to come on, she was more than happy to come on. And I just feel like who better to interview than somebody who learned about intuitive eating just through the podcast or just through the book and tried to incorporate it herself. She wants to join the group and she's also a psychologist. So she's teaching the principles to her binge eating disorder clients and she's seeing really good results, which is amazing. And yes, I really do find that the more 
as time goes on, I do find that um, more psychiatrists, psychologists, doctors are more open to the intuitive eating health at every size movement. And I think it's beautiful. And I think it just goes to show how much we are so ready to see and make a change because we stigma and we obsession is just, it's just outdated and it's just annoying and it just really messes with so many things in our lives. So this is the episode that I did with Pearl. Enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have with me Peril Agustin. Did I say it right? You got it. Okay. So I'll just tell the listeners how we met. Um, Peril was so kind and she reached out to me and emailed me and told me that like how much intuitive eating has helped her. And and you're also a therapist, which you'll explain to the listeners. And I just felt like you would be such a good, which you would be such a good um, person to come on. So how about you start with just introducing yourself? Where do you live? What do you do? Sure. Um, I just want to say, I was so flattered that you, like, I reached out to you, email you saying, thank you so much for everything you've done for me. And like, I just need to give you like feedback on how amazing you are. And then uh, I was so flattered that you asked me to be on your show. This is like, a lot of fun for me. I'm so, so excited. I'm so excited. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I made Aliyah two years ago. I'm from Queens originally. Made Aliyah two years ago. Um, living in Rehovot now. I have six kids. Thank God. Um, we are busy people and always have been, which I think is like part of the whole eating and etc. Yeah. piece. My husband yeah. is. Before we made Aliyah, my, we actually lived in Stony Brook, New York, out on Long Island. So I think mm-hmm. pretty close to you, Gila. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, my husband was the rabbi of the small show there. And that was this amazing experience for the past couple of years of our lives. And uh, then we moved to Israel and had to sort of switch gears in terms of making a living because you can't really make a living here as easily as a rabbi. Right. So my husband's in AI. He works for a startup in Tel Aviv. Um, uh, doing therapy in person in Yerushalayim one day a week. I also do, I also do therapy remotely um, two nights a week with people in New York and I'm also like my my main specialty is actually neuropsychology. So um, wow. So I travel into the states twice a year to do neuropsych evaluations. Wow. Be in your neck of the woods in another month. Okay, so we'll meet in person. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so I guess let's get started. How did you How did you hear about intuitive eating? So, so I think I mentioned this to you that when I was like thinking back, how did I first come across your podcast? The first person who mentioned intuitive eating to me was a dear friend of mine, Yal Holland, who I think you grew up with. 
Yes, it and is. She's the kind of person who's just like always ahead of the curve and like knows all the trends way ahead of time. And she said something to me years ago, like, oh, intuitive eating, this is what I'm into now. And I was like, okay, sounds interesting. And then maybe like a year later or so, I was spending a Shabbat together with a cousin of mine who's also always struggled with food issues. Um, and she was talking about going to a therapist and talking about intuitive eating with her. And I was really trying to be open-minded, Gila. Like I was listening. I remember like we were, we were in Channel Lake, actually. We were there for Hanukkah vacation. It was just me and her. No other families were up. It was like cold. We're sitting on the couch. And like, it must have been a couple of hours of arguing about intuitive eating. And I was so <laughs> resistant and so like, like, yeah. come on. Like, no, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Funny, so no. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> this, I think this was January 2020. And then COVID happened. And I got into podcasts for the first time ever. And I was listening to somebody, I don't know who, maybe it was Hava Tribe. And she mm -hmm. mentioned you. So I linked to your podcast and I was totally hooked, Gila. Wow. Like you, you, you're such a refreshing voice and you're so genuine and authentic. And you explain things in such a humble way. So I think like you're very good at lowering people's resistance. And I just like started listening to you and it really, really changed my life. Like I, I, started listening to you very cynically. Um, it took me a while until like I got, I went out and I got the books finally. Yeah. And then I got the workbook. And um, I can tell you like recently for the first time in years, I tried to go on a diet. <laughs> so yeah. like I'm not, I'm not great at intuitive eating yet clearly. But recently like I was really, really like feeling unhappy. I, you know, thank God I have a, a one-year-old right now. So had another pregnancy and another like couple of pounds extra to lose after the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um. And I tried to go on this diet and I, it was so clear to me, like, and it was a diet that I've gone on before. Like, it was just like, okay, I'm going to cut out refined sugar and refined mm -hmm. flour. It, mm -hmm. it feels good. It feels healthy. It's not crazy. And it was just, I was so cranky. I was mm -hmm. like, I felt so restricted. I was like, yeah. like the food rebel. Is that what it's called? The food rebel? Yes. Yes. Loud. And I was like, this yeah. is like, and then like, I walk around telling people like who all well, my relatives were like on diets and stuff. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I just don't do diets anymore. I'm post-diet. Right. Right. Which sounds crazy, but yeah, I know. Okay, that's fine. Crazy. Before that's a that's such a great story, but could you tell me? I guess I didn't even hear your background. Like, why did you have so much resistance? Or like like I do this with clients, so you don't have to share if you're not comfortable, but like I asked them, like, when did this start? Like, when did your dieting start? Or like what's your What's your earliest childhood memory around food? Did you, was it like you were put on a diet when you were five? Was it just a lot of diet talk in your house? Like just the culture? So, so I have to give my mother a massive, massive credit because honestly, first of all, she's an amazing mother, but also she gives her kids incredible self-esteem. And I had this really vivid memory of, I must've been like 10 or so and looking at Reader's Digest and there was this great picture of Michelle Pfeiffer, mm -hmm. like sprawled out with her really long legs. Mm. I think it was 12 Pfeiffer. And I brought it to my mother. I was 10. So I'm, like, I'm just sort of like understanding my body. And I brought it to her. I'm like, Ma, like, like, look at this gorgeous lady. She has such long legs. Like, my legs are so short. Mm, and my mother says to me, Don't worry, honey. Short legs are coming into style. That's <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. So she doesn't even remember. Like, I'll bring that up to her. So she really did. It's like, you know, it's like an offhand comment. She just yeah. was like, No, you're beautiful. Right. But at the same time, there is this very strong sense of like, you need to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and like, and like food rules a little bit. So I think the first time I remember being sort of a weir was going to the doctor, I must have been like, I must have been like, you know, I, I went through early puberty. Mm -hmm. 
early-ish puberty. So I was like already full grown, maybe by like 12 or 13. And I was going to the doctor and I weighed, I think, 117 pounds. Mm-hmm. I would love to weigh 117 pounds now, P.S., mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but I remember like me being horrified and my mother being horrified a little bit. I don't know if she said that she was horrified, but just sensing that. But like, right. so like throughout like high school, like definitely remembering like I felt a little bit chubby. Um, I wasn't particularly chubby. I was fine. I was like average, you know, did not have a flat stomach, never had a flat stomach. Went up and down throughout high school seminary. Was never, never thought of myself as very fat, never was very fat, never, ever felt skinny enough. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was you weren't dining at the time or you, you, it was more, I like went on and off diets. Like there were like every summer I'd be with like my big, huge family, extended family of cousins. I'm like, everyone was dieting together and everyone was like taking walks every day at a thousand calories a day and let's count our calories. And then like having like days when like, let's go out and eat tons of ice cream and not care at all. Like, I think it was pretty typical. It Mm -hmm. wasn't like, I think it was pretty typical looking back. I think it was not what I want for my kids like mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to be dieting in high school do right. you know what I mean of course uh, totally. but it I, I think I thought it was worse than it was until I went to seminary honestly Gila and I met other girls there and heard remember like seeing a girl like really like shaking before her mother came to visit in January right. I, I was like oh I even called my mother and I said to her Mel you're not that bad <laughs> like I've yelled at you for like telling you that I'm <laughs> lose some weight but you're not that bad I see what yeah but it's like out there so I think like overall like my family background is like pretty much average in terms of diet culture but Mm -hmm. also diet culture right so the norm unfortunately and then like and then you know getting married and and um and thank god having six kids I mean I have six kids and my oldest is 11 right so and it's wonderful and hectic and also like I remember at one point someone saying to me like yeah with every baby like you put on another five pounds and then it doesn't go off and I was like no that's not going to happen to me right you know I'm not going to get pregnant again until I lose all the weight right that's not really how it happens and that's hard right it's hard Mm -hmm. it's a little bit hard to be in a woman's body and fluctuating weights Mm -hmm. and nursing and period Mm -hmm. it's just like a hard kind of a yeah kind of a thing to deal with if you're also dealing with body image issues for sure for sure so I think that's my background in terms of dieting like I've always like I've always gone on and off I never never felt terribly unhealthy with my eating habits or with my eating mentality or dieting mentality but intuitive eating has definitely totally shifted the bar Okay. So you, so I see why you had the resistance. So you were, it was still like very much a part of your belief system that like being skinny is like very, very important. Or like the only thing, like you can't be pretty if you're, if you're not skinny or like you can't be, you can't love yourself if you're not skinny or. Not, it's not so much that, like I very much thank God, like I said, like my mother gave us this great self-esteem. I, I still will like look at myself in the mirror and be like, Hey, beautiful. Like, <laughs> and now it's like more mindful than yeah. when I was in front of my kids. Right. It's more mindful than it might have been in the past. Um, It might have been more automatic in the past, but it also wasn't about not loving my body. It was more about like not thinking that it looked pretty. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I could love and honor my body and love moving and love running and also be like, you know, obviously like at this weight, like I just don't look, I just, I just look messy. Mm -hmm. Messy. Wow. So yeah, it's interesting that it's just interesting that you just said about like a woman's body changing, which is like totally um, so valid. And I will just say like, you know, Evelyn Tripoli, who, who is the co-author of intuitive eating. So I did like some supervision with her. I mean, she trained me and then I did supervision with her. And I remember saying like, 
this was like a few years ago so I already know this now but I remember saying like how like sometimes I have bad body image days like am I the wrong person to do this work you know and she of course said no you're like the perfect person to do this work we like it's not just because we know something doesn't mean it's not really 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 hard to believe and implement and she's like it's kind of like when I go shopping now and I see my legs in the mirror and they look like old lady legs quote unquote and she's like whoa my legs changed you know like anything anytime your body changes it's challenging so it's like you're living in a foreign body that totally makes sense yeah so where do you go with that like I guess like that that's still something that I'm struggling with right like yeah I look my body and I don't think it looks beautiful it's mm-hmm. fine you know right 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 like where do you yeah. where do you really go with that hello everybody I am so excited to tell you that the get into it with Gila podcast is sponsored by okclarity.com okclarity.com is the place for any Jew, no matter how firm or religious you are, to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or dietitian, and it's completely free for you to use. okclarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. Yes, you can even find me there. If you're in the market for a therapist, coach, dietitian, psychiatrist, or the like, you want to check them out. If you don't find what you're looking for, They have a service where you complete a short form and they will personally match you, which I think is so, so cool. Important side note, if you are a wellness professional, I highly recommend joining their directory. Their team is amazing and I've received referrals immediately. They also really offer a ton of support. OK Clarity also has an amazing WhatsApp status with over 7,000 obsessed followers. And yes, I am one of them. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health and they post really great humor. So you'll laugh too, which is really, really important for our mental health, right? If you have WhatsApp, shoot them a message at 917-426-1495. Again, that's 917-426-1495. Have a great day. I mean, I could take it in many different directions. And when I counsel people, it's so it's so layered. But I like to, um, I really like to um, like dismantle a belief system. And of course, it doesn't take one session or like one conversation. But it's like, even when you were saying, um, it's so hard that a woman's body changes, like, when we with our periods and we get and we have babies and then nursing I just have to assume that it wasn't always hard before we started body comparing and we started the beauty standard was I always say this you probably heard me say this but the beauty standard today is like really unrealistic it's like very very busty with a tiny waist no one looks like that naturally probably less than one percent of people right I'm saying the the beauty standards have changed there was there was very very skinny with flat chested there was very skinny with more curvy right and now it's just like people don't look like that so um so we've created that beauty standard you know and I'm not uh, that doesn't make it easier we all want women want to be beautiful right women want other people other people to think that they're beautiful that's like a normal natural way of life and I'm never going to tell someone you shouldn't want to look beautiful. Of course, you should look beautiful. You should want to look beautiful. I think it's more the the crazy amount of emphasis that we have on the way that we look and the size yeah. of our body. Because yeah. I, I just was texting somebody last night um, who had a baby five weeks ago. And she yeah. told me, she's like, Gila, you know, you really, um, you really changed. You really made me think because so many people... Um, said to me you look so good you look so small and she's like my baby they were monitoring my baby so my baby wasn't too small I did not like hearing that and can you imagine like we're so one track minded when it comes to weight small equals good it's so not true if you think about it for one second it's not true or like I've um I've had Alicia have a list here on the podcast and she's a sex therapist yeah and I remember her saying I didn't we didn't actually end up saying this on the podcast but we said it 
um, when pre-recording and she's like, I've had so many like couples, like men, women, and the men tell me like, she's so upset that like, that like her chest is bigger or her, or her tush is bigger, you know? And he's like, I love it. <laughs> so I'm like, I wish more women would hear that. Like we yeah. do it to ourselves. And like, is it going to do, am I, do I look in the mirror every day and be like, oh my God, wow, I look beautiful. Like I love my big hips, you know? I don't do that, but I try, I actually try to think about like, wow, like this stomach, not just that it birthed kids. Cause I feel like I've said that before and people are like, well, I didn't have any kids, but it's like, whoa, like I'm healthy. I could do burpees. I could cook dinner tonight. I could do this work. Like I'm so much more than this body. Does that, does it always make me feel beautiful? No. Is my goal to always feel beautiful? No. It's like a total mindset shift. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I love your point about the fact that the problem is the emphasis that we put on it. Because, mm -hmm. right, of course, like people are aesthetic, right? Like we right. are aesthetic and we like beauty and we like right. art and we like feeling beautiful. But but the fact that it becomes this overarching, like what you say, Gila, like if you think it's going to change your life, like of course it won't change right. your life. Right, it's right, right a piece of you I think one time I think you said this once either you said it or I guess you had said this idea of like grieving maybe mm -hmm. like that yes. also like so honest and human like you're allowed to I think you said it on maybe like a pre-Pesach podcast or something like the idea of like you're allowed to grieve that fact that you're not mm -hmm. gonna be that size too like that is that hits me right mm -hmm. like that's mm -hmm. like like yeah I, I would like to like be able to go to the store and buy beautiful clothing and it's not, a, it's also just about like moving comfortably. Do you know what I mean? Right, like totally. I recently started going to a gym class, which is awesome. And I love going to the gym, but it's a small Israeli studio. And like, I'm getting there like a minute late, which I get, you know, cause that's just me. And I always get like a spot in front of the mirror mm -hmm. and I'm looking at myself, exercising, looking like, like when is like, you know, there's like a hit class that I go to and a Pilates class that I go to and like looking at myself, like doing burpees and I'm feeling all cool and strong. Then you look in the mirror and you see your stomach and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, like, when did I become that person who has mm -hmm. that, has that body, you know? Right, right. And I, it almost feels like exposure therapy for me. I'm like, okay, no, this is good for me to see my body. And like, I think I need to see my body and I think I need to see it doing strong things. Mm -hmm. And also, um, and also it, it's, it's a little, there's a little bit of a grieving process there. Like, totally. Oh. Totally. You know, I like, actually that's not my concept that's um Brie Campos um body okay. image with Brie if anybody follows her on Instagram she has her own podcast I think it's called the body grievers or she gives a class called the body griever she's a therapist or a body image coach wow. and I that resonated with me so 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 much because it really is grief like if you especially like you know I like what I when we started I asked you when did this all start like when did your you know dieting journey started yeah. so like some of my clients are in their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, right? So if they started to believe that at the age of 10 or 15 or 20, that they should be a certain size, and they've been pursuing that for 10, 20, 30 years, it really is grief when they're like, intuitive yeah. eating is a grief process for them because they're like, on the, what happens when you, when you feel bad about your body? We look in the mirror, we're like, where did this stomach come from? Or look at my double chin, right? And we're like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. Diet starts tomorrow. I got this, right? So it's like that hope, even though you know it's not going to work, you know that you're going to be binging on chocolate. You know that you're just going to gain more weight. You know that you're just going to feel horrible about yourself in two weeks. You don't let yourself believe that. And it's just, it's just one of those things. Like, 
You feel so, skinnier the moment you say you're starting a diet. Exactly. You you're like, okay, okay. Uh, and last supper eating, I'm going to eat all the pizza that I want. I'm never going to eat pizza ever again. And like, how many times will that cycle start and stop? So it's like, it really is grief for on so many levels. It's, it's, you know, when you said before that you sit around with your extended family, it's so communal to diet. It is so bonding. We all talk about dieting. Oh my, everyone around me, 70% of the conversation ends with, I shouldn't eat pasta. Why am I eating pasta? I can't. And I'm like, right. Yeah. There's more interesting things in life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's reductionist, right? It's like reductionist of the human experience to yes. be so obsessed. And then, of yeah. course, like there's the health aspect and thinking about that. Yes. And yeah. my mother, thank God, kind of turning 70 and very focused on her health. And, mm -hmm. and you hear that piece like, okay, like, you know, there, there are real health benefits to being thin and to losing mm -hmm. weight. Mm -hmm. just another piece of the puzzle I feel like but I can I, tell you like yeah like my whole attitude really did change I'm just thinking what you said about the cousins and sitting around so like we have this cousin chat and like at least four or five times someone's been like guys I need to go on a diet we're doing a biggest loser contest and like mm -hmm. everyone came to the pot and in the past like I've done it once or twice or like just followed along and this like they when somebody started one recently a dear cousin who I adore in case she listens to this, I do adore her. <laughs> and she said, and she started, and I was like so over it. I was like, oh, like that's so sad. Mm -hmm. It did actually cross my mind to tell my husband to sign up for it because he's very good at losing money. And we can use the money. <laughs> oh my gosh. To be totally that's honest. So funny. Yes, but I didn't totally tell him. Okay, good. Um, that's gross, right? Right. And, yeah. and, but for me, like, it didn't even cross my mind to try to join it. I was like, this is not like whether or not I'm like trying to work on healthier habits right now. Like I cannot be focused on the scale. It's just, yeah. it's just sad. I think that like, just if, I mean, you probably heard me say this on the podcast, but like um, intuitive eating is a big promoter of health, but it's a promoter of like, like a full picture of health. So like when we think of health, we think of a weight and a exercise routine but that those are just two parts of health right so um I always I, I really always say this that like there's a eating disorder now called orthorexia right which is an unhealthy obsession with only eating healthy food so like if you own quote-unquote only eat healthy food right and you're really count you're really watching what you eat but like your headspace is so overtaken with with what you're eating and when you're eating and how you're eating and when you're moving that's also not healthy so like there's such a there's such a balance like you could you could work on increasing your fruits and vegetables and switching to whole grains when possible. You could work on, instead of exercising zero minutes a day, walk 10 minutes a day. Like I always tell clients, zero times zero is zero. And it, 10 minutes times seven is 70 minutes. So like it's anything is helpful. And like, I think because it's so black and white and all or nothing, people are just like, I'm fat anyways. I'm just going to eat chocolate all day. Why? That's because of diet culture. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I love what you say about, I like what intuitive eating says in general about how like weight is not a behavior. Like right. you, like you can measure your behaviors and aim for good behaviors and, right. and aim for healthy behaviors that make you feel good. Right. And you know that as a psychologist, right? That's how you measure growth by their like behavior chain. And that's interesting. Like, as a psychologist, I feel like, like often we'll also set goals for like, like if someone's in a depressed state, right? Like we're mm -hmm. setting a goal for like feeling that's an interesting analogy. I'm just thinking about it now. Like, well, mm -hmm. set a goal. Part of the goal is like feeling better, like feeling less right. depressed. That is right. 
the overriding goal there. I'm not sure if it's a great analogy because yeah, we're working right. to get them to that state, you know? But would you say that like, but I'm thinking say? of depression, like other, I think other behaviors that would really, like let's other, say OCD, OCD, right? Yeah, so exactly, that's, exactly. I think OCD that's is exp- great. Right? Yes. Beautiful. That's a great analogy. Gila. Yeah. 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 The less they are engaging in the behaviors, the right. more they're reaching their goals. Um, right. I, and like, and like coasting through that feeling. Okay. It's okay. Right. To right, right, right. As long as you're focused. Yeah. Right. And that's what I teach clients, right? They're always, I, I, I'm not a therapist, but everyone's like, oh, you're like, yeah, now you're the therapist. I'm like, no, I'm not the therapist. But like, that's such a big part of binge eating disorder. And we'll talk about that clinically, but that's such a big part of of any like helping any of my clients is like they think it's so revolutionary when I tell them okay so you feel really guilty or you feel really sad like can you just like sit there for five minutes it's like torture torture we have no pain tolerance we have no no one taught us how to you don't have to just pick up your phone and scroll Instagram when you're feeling bored or when you're feeling down you don't have to eat a donut just because you're feeling depressed you don't have to like and you don't always have to feel your feelings that's way too hard but like some tools of just like moving through the feeling you know it's gorgeous it's gorgeous it's so it feels like it's like the root of all it's almost like the root of all mental health issues is not being able to sit and experience feelings and and sit with it I, I do a lot of um emotion focused therapy actually emotion focused couples therapy and emotion focused individual therapy and it's all about that like emotion serves a purpose and mm-hmm. moves us mm-hmm. and it's in a good way and, and we have to pay attention to our feelings yeah and yeah I sit with patients and it is so it's so hard for them to feel emotions and they'd rather than, than they're it's so hard to feel emotions at all that their body reacts by just feeling like dead all the time, you know, mm. like, my, like, um, like just flat affects, which is so painful to see mm-hmm. and so painful to experience. And also that's where their body goes because it's so hard for it to feel a full range of emotions. Right. That's like, you're saying like the, it's like a gift to be able to feel pain a gift to be able to feel a bad emotion, like a negative emotion, because that means that you feel and you're, and you're healthy. It's gorgeous. That's a gorgeous yeah. opening. Yeah. Um, I actually am going to quote Parala Bramowitz, who I often quote. You heard her, you ever oh, heard me? I heard of her years yeah. ago. I remember her parenting coaching classes. She's yeah. great. I love her. Yeah. Actually, she informed, it has informed a lot of my work. Like she really got me on this journey, but um, oh. I remember her saying in one of her classes, she's like, it's we numb on hunger or we numb on binging, right? We we use all types of different coping strategies to numb. And she's like, I remember the day that I felt jealous again. I was so happy. Like my feelings came back. And I was like, if only, like, you know, like if only we could just like see that our emotions, like they're really like, it, it's like if you, if your nerves didn't work and like you couldn't feel your arm, you know, like pain is there for a reason. The pain is really serving you, you know? Well, this is like one of my, this is one of my like soapbox issues, but, but devices do us such a disservice because it's so easy to numb out. It's right. just so easy to numb out. I don't, right. I'm terribly judgmental about this because, because mm-hmm. I have this tendency to be judgmental and because as a neuropsychologist, <laughs> and because as a neuropsychologist, I like, this is what I do. I evaluate kids and I see these, these really strong correlations between the amount of digital devices that they're on or that they're using and their overall mental health. Mm -hmm. I see parents like 
giving their kids hours and hours. And I'm not talking like an hour a day, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not even talking like an hour and a half a day, but like three, four hours a day of being on a device for a kid, it just kills them. Mm-hmm. And, and it numbs feelings. That's what it mm-hmm. does. I know that's totally a tangent, but no, it's very, it's a, it's, it's a, a good lot. point. It's a good point. I'll, I'll tell you what I think if you, if you want to hear my opinion, just because we went there you. just from like, because like basically I went on this like whole self-help journey when I started my business. Right. So you could hear it on the podcast, but um, by the way, my family hates when I do that. They're like, you know, I have, I have a story on my podcast of how my last baby was born. And they were asking, I'm like, just listen to the podcast. They're like, do you do that with everyone? I listened to that story. It was great. Neighbor stories are so much fun. Yes, they're so much fun. They're like, you can't just send us to your podcast. Um, so so Carla Ramwitz and she helped me on this journey. Wait one second while we're talking. Oh yeah. So so like I also am judgmental. Like we're human, right? We're that's how we work. We see things and we judge. That's how it's human. That's very forgiving. That's a very forgiving way of putting it. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like so over the past few years, I've been hearing like it's so hard with all the technology and all the mental illness. And there never used to be so much ADHD diagnosed, blah, 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 blah. And I formulated this whole idea in my head that helps me when I hear those things. Okay. First of all, every generation has different pros and cons and struggles and strengths. Right. And I feel like I had this conversation with my own therapist. She told me that she went to the Nefesh conference and they were talking about how we're in unprecedented times and how, kids have access to everything and blah, blah, blah. I'm like we're not in unprecedented times um 70 years ago they were trying to survive the holocaust you know years and years ago they were there like in Egypt there was so much like um immorality you know what I mean like I feel like that doesn't help us it doesn't help us Hashem decided that this generation we are here and we are struggling with the with the phone but like to be so focused on what we are struggling with I just don't think helps I feel like I, with the same thing with food like I like I hear you like you're having a hard time with binging you're having a hard time with restricting I hear you it's really really hard but there is there is recovery like there is help there is even if intuitive eating doesn't help somebody there's something else like don't despair you know I feel like that's what well, that's really yeah yeah that's beautiful that makes sense it's just putting it into perspective I love that yeah um, so we could go on um, a bunch of different tangents, but you, I, we were saying before that you actually started using intuitive eating clinically. So could you yeah. tell us about that? So this is really, I've been like meaning to email you for ages, honestly, just to say like, thank you for everything. And you're awesome. And I love your podcast. So sweet. This is um, what pushed me to finally email is that I had these two patients the same night, both come to me and say, like, they both, they're both in New York. Yeah. They both came to me the same night and said like, we're just talking about the intuitive eating piece and how that's changed their whole attitude towards food. And it was so striking to me because I did so little and it was really all the intuitive eating itself. It's such a powerful system. So just to Mm -hmm. give some background. So as a psychologist, I'm like mostly trained in um, neuropsych is one of my main specialties, but I also do a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy. So when I first started seeing people way back when, I remember having like a couple of patients with binge eating disorder. And it's not one of my specialties. I, I like wouldn't treat them with anorexia because that really requires specialized training. And I don't have that. Mm-hmm. I like to sort of dig down in whatever I'm specialized in. Um, but binge eating disorder, which is as eating disorders go, it's one of the, you know, less dangerous ones. Um, and under supervision, I was, I was treating people with that using 
cognitive behavioral therapy for binge eating disorder. And it was effective. Like it, it worked. It took a lot of time and it was painful at times, but it worked. Like I remember have, I remember this lovely 73 year old woman who had been struggling with binge eating disorder her whole life and was like, a lot of her friends were dying off and she was lonely and she finally came in for help with it. And it was a fascinating process and journey together. And, and the CBT was super helpful for her. And basically like the CBT model towards binge eating disorder has some elements of intuitive eating, but I feel like it's missing some key elements. Mm -hmm. So it does a lot of like, um, it talks about a cycle, but the cycle is more about like emotional numbing. Mm -hmm versus diet and it also talks about diet restrictions but it also talks about emotional numbing being a huge component what like what that leads to binging um so it does a lot of like breaking that cycle behaviorally noticing when you're what your triggers are for binging and figuring out how to cope with those emotions instead and it talks a lot about cognitive restructuring so changing your thought patterns so all these thought mm -hmm. patterns about your body and about diets and all your beliefs so sort of examining them and changing them it works. I'm a big fan of CBT. I've, I use it in my practice all the time for anxiety and depression. I treat a lot of women and adolescent girls and I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, but the older I get, the more, you know, experience I have, I feel like it's just CBT in general is not enough. And with binge eating in particular, it didn't feel like it was enough. So recently I had, I'm going to obviously change all details, but I had this, um, darling college girl. So, 20-year-old girl, um, sophomore year in college. Her name is, let's say, Rifki. Um, and she came in with binge eating disorder. That was her main complaint and then also some anxiety. So normally I would have gone right to CBT, but I was doing this, you know, doing this intuitive eating kick and looking at the work of myself. And I was like, like, listen, like, Rifki, do you want to try intuitive eating with me? And I explained a little bit about what it is and we can go through worksheets together. And again, Gila, like, obviously like I'm not at all expert in intuitive eating, but this is like sort of one of those tools in my arsenal I was a little bit familiar with. And I said, let me see how this goes. And she was so open and so fantastic and just like took to it like a duck to water. Um, you know, like did, she's also just in general, like a darling girl and, and very good about like implementing whatever we talk about. And she was just like doing the worksheets and coming back. And her first major victory was when she said to me, you know, I, I had a chocolate bar and I ate half of it and I was like practicing mindful eating. I was like, you know what? I had enough. Mm -hmm. And I put it down and like, I had the rest, like I put the rest of aside for later. And I was like, wow, like, I don't think I could do that. Like mm -hmm. that's amazing that you did that. And then, um, she got to the point where she wasn't having any binges. Like she had been binging every day wow. and she wasn't having any binges at all. And I remember she went home for one of the holidays and she said to me, and like home was a big trigger for her because her mother was very focused on health and very focused on diet culture um, and wouldn't put her kids on a diet, but would be talking about herself being on a diet, which would trigger Rifki because she was struggling with binging. Mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. um, and she said to me, like, I just did my thing. And I, and I, you know, was fine and I wasn't paying attention to comments that people were not making to her even, but just comments that would have been triggering to her in the past. And she said, but what I did notice was that I had a sister who had, like, was exercising a lot and 
had been restricting that morning and said, okay, like I'm, I know that I'm going to like have pizza later. So I'm not going to eat anything the rest of the day. And Rifki said to me like, that felt so unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, bingo. Like this girl, not only did she change her behavior, Gila, like she changed, she, she wasn't binging by the end of treatment. we're actually still seeing each other, but she's going to be finishing in a couple of weeks. She's not binging anymore, period. But not only that, her whole mentality and her whole emotional load towards dieting and towards food restriction has really changed tremendously. Like working on, we did some work on identifying the food place and and Mm -hmm. we did, you know, work on the mindful eating piece and honoring your hunger. That was a big, big deal, right? Like the binges start because you're not eating. So make sure to eat frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was just so striking to me. And the second story, and then maybe afterwards, I'll talk about like my thoughts about what was so beautiful about using intuitive eating. But the second story is, again, like a patient who I love, I've been seeing her for a while, let's call her um, Hani. So Hani is this fantastic, powerful, beautiful woman who has a couple of kids, works as a therapist herself. And she struggled with weight her whole life. She had um, actually like a history of sexual abuse as a teenager, um, struggled with weight on and off. At some point she had her stomach stapled years ago. Mm -hmm. And at this point now that now when I'm seeing her, like she's, so I've been seeing her for over a year, um, which is not usual for me. It was just like, it's a, you know, it's like sort of like an ongoing, Mm -hmm. um, therapy that's focused on like a lot of supportive therapy and she's just a ton of fun to talk to so (laughs) I'm fine with it as long as she's fine with it it's not my usual way of doing therapy but so so her goal was never to work on her body image or her food or anything like that she was she was coming for a lot of work on different relationships and we did a lot of that work and she was doing great and and really feeling good and at some point she brought up a little bit about like food issues and I said well if, if you're interested in working on this at all I, you know, I have intuitive eating and I'm happy to like sort of talk about it a little bit. And she's like, what's that? And I was so excited to share it. Um, What was interesting is that at the beginning, when we first started working together, Gila, I talked about like, I always talk about like self-care, right? And part of self-care as a psychologist, I always talk about movement and nutrition. Like those are just like two of the pillars of self-care and and more Mm -hmm. about like adding things in. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not talking about like, you know, start restricting yourself. I'm just saying like eat foods that make you feel good and Mm -hmm. move your body because exercise is literally more effective than antidepressants. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally based on research and uh, I started talking about it and she was very, very resistant. She was like, like, I can't go there right now. She's an incredibly busy, accomplished young woman always juggling a ton of balls she's like I can't go there right now I hate walking I tried even to like say well why don't you like take a walk around the block with with iPads on with iPods earpods I don't know I always say them wrong right I was like just walk around the block with some music that'll make you feel so much better like like, I just cannot do it right now then I talked about food and and she has because of her stomach stapling of course you're like way more familiar with this than I I know this clinical profile very well basically yeah Yeah. she has all these restrictions so she was very much focused on like and, and she was feeling good about her body, but really also not paying too much attention to it. Right. So she was doing a lot of like, like she'll, she would order lunch, which was great. And um, that she was focusing on, on making sure to eat, but she would like order whatever she was in the mood of, which was usually like a sandwich, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't, she wasn't adding a lot of vegetables. A lot of that was because of the food stapling. Right, issue. right, right. So we did. So we, I brought it up a year ago. 
didn't want to go there, very resistant. A year later, we started talking about intuitive eating a little bit. And I really just gave her like the beer outline, Gila. Like that wasn't mm-hmm. our focus. Mm-hmm. I was giving her the beer outline, talking about like talking about like health and feeling a little bit better. And she and she wasn't feeling great about her body and she wasn't feeling great about her health. And she came back to me a few weeks later and I said, by the way, I'm loving intuitive eating. And we talked about it a little bit and she was like, and other things in her life changed also. She found um uh, medication that helps you tolerate vegetables. Mm-hmm. So she's ordering salad, but and feeling great about that and enjoying it. But like she was saying, like I pointed out to her, like you're working with a physical trainer twice a week mm-hmm. for an hour each time and loving it. And you're eating, like your eating habits totally changed and you're feeling great and strong. And she's like, oh my gosh, like this was your secret plot all along. <laughs> no, no, because it's not about, like we don't care about what the angle is. We care about how you're feeling. And she was right. feeling healthy and great and strong and and just loving the whole concept of intuitive eating. So when I had both of those patients have that same like kind of like epiphany with me one night, I was like, I need to email Gila and just tell her mm-hmm. how much like you've changed my life and you've changed by extension, other people's lives. Like I would never have been able to to guide these patients through that wow. without everything you've taught me. But what was, so nice. wow. me, what was interesting to me, as I was thinking about like, what's the difference between CBT for binge eating and intuitive eating is that I think one huge piece that intuitive eating gives us is the ability to trust our bodies. Right. Like the idea, and you talk about this a lot, Gila, that it's not just about trusting it's not just about like trusting your body in terms of eating. It's trusting yourself. Right. In general. Listening right. to your inputs. Um, CBT does not do that at all. Like mm-hmm. we're going there, right? We're about like, let's, let's cognitively restructure you and let's identify the behavioral precedents and the behavioral antecedents and, and figure out the cycle, which is all important and all part of what intuitive eating might do in a different, you know, using different words. But intuitive eating feels so much more humane. Yes. And so much more holistic and the idea of like, we're going to relate to you as a whole person and we're mm-hmm. going to receive and trust that you have an inner voice. And if you can just listen to the inner voice, um, like that will direct you the right way. And that is so gorgeous and so um, basic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. Um, I mean, Evelyn, Trivoli and Elise Rush, like I've heard them speak many, many times and they just say that like, um even like in their first sessions, they'll ask a client about their story, their history. And sometimes the client will just break down and say like, you're the only person that listens to my story because doctors see me and they just assume, oh, you're in this large body because X, Y, Z. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, I guess, yeah, like I said before, it's like dismantling your whole belief system about body image and how a body should be and how, what does health look like? Right. And, um, I'm so happy to hear about these about these clients. And yeah, they I said like this is a typical clinical profile. Um, but but it's interesting that you said that also about the second client that she's like, oh, this is your secret secret plot. Because I always say like intuitive eating is about making food choices from self-care, not from self-punishment, right? So it's like, you know, even like new clients that call me, they're like, oh, so should I just eat ice cream all day? I'm like, I don't know. Do you want to eat ice ice cream all day? Do you think that will feel good? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so try it for a week and get back to me. You know, like people don't really like to eat like that. They just like to eat like that because they've been restricted from ice cream or because they think they're never going to eat ice cream again, or because they just feel so sick of everything that that's their only 
hope. I don't know. So there's just so many reasons why people are so blocked from it. And like, I like going in the back door. I feel it is much more effective than just like putting it in people's faces. You know, like I really, I always say, I'm like, I'm taking you on a different angle. We're going on a different angle. Right. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's fascinating how, how this particular patient ended up like completely the opposite of what she had been when we started just in terms of these health behaviors without that being at all our focus in therapy. Right. For sure. I think that those, those two um, self-care tools are really, really important nutrition and movement, but it has to come from a place of self-care. It has to, because otherwise if you hate spinning, for example, I have a spin bike here and you do it every single day because you must, you must, you must, Number one, how long will that last? And even if it does last because you're so hard on yourself, it's so counter what the movement can do for you. So it's like, it's like, you don't have to kill yourself. I know no pain, no gain used to be like such a thing. And like, I bought into that. I push myself hard and I like, I like that feeling somewhere in my brain. Like I, I also, um, have a lot of the, um, predisposition for an eating disorder so like I struggled with a lot of disordered eating as a teenager and I had all a lot of um you know the, the predisposition to potentially get an eating disorder so um I know I'm very hard on myself um push myself more feel really good about it love the compliments love that people think that I have so much willpower self-control and and diet culture just reinforces eating disorders you know yeah it's huge it's tremendous it's 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 a scary thing. And I really think that you're making a difference. I don't, I don't, I know that it's hard to see that. And I know that like you'll, you say comments on the, maybe it's in your podcast, maybe it's in your blog where you'll say like, I don't really know if I'm making a difference. This diet culture is so huge, but I can mm-hmm. tell you not just from my experience, just like you say intuitive meeting and people have heard of it. Right. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. content you're putting out every week, Gila is so transformative for so, so many people. Thank you. I hope so. I hope so. I, I, first of all, I always welcome feedback and I love when people um, actually subscribe to the podcast and read the podcast. It definitely helps my podcast, but I do find that like, let's say right now with my clients, like a lot of them do complain. Like I hear you, Gila. I hear you. Like, I really want to believe this, but like I'm fat and society doesn't accept me. And I'm like, I know I hear, I hear you. I get it. And it does feel a little bit like swimming upstream on the one hand. But like I said before, like I just try to put my head down. Like diet culture is here and here to stay. Like when I coach parents, I say, you're not going to shield your kids from diet culture. That's not the goal. Right. And I'm sure you, you could relate to that. Also, the goal is to welcome the questions and to, and to be armed with, you know, like a strong, healthy, like what your mother did for you, a strong, healthy self-esteem and that your weight is not your worth and that we could take the focus off the way you look. Of course, it's important to feel beautiful. That's never what I'm saying, that you should just neglect yourself. I don't think, I don't believe in that at all, but it's just like having that, like with any, with any life skill, it's like really working the other way of like reinforcing the positive and like, you know, working on things that you do want your kids to see and being a good sounding board for your friends, for your kids, for your husband, right? Like that's, I just feel like that's so much more positive. And that, that's why I love intuitive eating also, because it's like so much about self-compassion and about gentleness. Like it's, it could be yeah. so, and dieting is so harsh and mean and black and white. And like intuitive eating is so like looking at your whole profile and, and really helping you holding your hand, you know? Those two words are so resonant, compassion and gentleness. 
And then, like, you can contrast that with, like, The Biggest Loser show. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So that's a big difference. It, it, it is changing slowly. I, I have hope that diet culture is not here to say. I mean, you look at, like, all these, I mean, especially in the Orthodox Jewish community, I feel like we've been so steeped in it, and we're really trying very hard to climb out of it. I don't know if you've been following Marian Pascal Cohn, mm-hmm. um, Family First, and on her mm-hmm. blog, and Elise, Dr. Aliza Mitnick. Mm-hmm. is those um jama podcasts mm-hmm. talking about how to talk to your teen about weight I, like i've been following a lot of these different people because i feel like i guess like i'm listen i'm I'm living in israel at this point i'm not i'm not any longer on long island um i'm in like a very nerdy anglo community should say that but it's very nerdy which is mm-hmm. great there's such a lot i'm like one of the cooler people here and that's shocking um there's such a lack of emphasis on on you know bodies and looks and clothing amazing um, so amazing. I definitely probably am a little bit shielded from that right but I also like you just see this vast change slowly slowly happening and it's fighting upstream it's like it's like mirrored by the change in each of us right mm-hmm. where we're like you're back and forth and you're taking two steps forward and the one step back right. and I right. hate diets but oh my gosh I wish I was skinny oh yeah totally and I I will say to that that I'm quoting a lot of people here today yes also Rachel Tuckman is amazing and Rena Reiser and Rachel Goodman there's so many other Rachel Heineman there's so many Yafi Lavova like there's dietitians there's therapists that are working on changing the narrative um but but um Evelyn Triboli I'm going to quote her again she said she says in her book or I heard her say this that like um we used to believe that people used to not wear gloves when they treated people medically. Do you know that? Or wash their hands. Right, of course. And then um, somebody figured out that it was like the bacteria that was causing issues, right? And then pe- people laughed at them. People laughed at them. Can you imagine? The germ theory. When was that? Late 1800s or something like that. Yeah, I think so. And it's like, and then um, Christy Harrison from um, Anti-Diet and Food, she has a podcast, Food Psych. She says, she says the saying that I have to look up, but it's like something like first they fight you, um, first they hate you, then they fight you, then they join you, like something like that. Like, I feel like that's where like, at least I'm trying to have hope that like, maybe, maybe, maybe that's true. And I know Miriam, Miriam speaks about it. And I know Alyssa Goldwater is amazing. And I know that. And it's amazing. There's definitely a change in narrative. And even here in the five towns, I spoke in two different high schools this year and yeah where it starts that is so great that you're doing that I mean it starts even earlier but high school wow that is so amazing for girls to get that message yeah and I actually interviewed somebody last week who Marissa Shama put out soon so you'll hear it I don't want to give it away but she also is doing amazing work with eating disorders and eating disorder treatment and yeah there's for sure people doing it but it's like I guess like just sharing the message like always trying to share the message even me I have a hard time sharing the message like I was somewhere yesterday and somebody was like, oh, I just ate so much junk food. And like, I just wasn't in the mood to say like, I just don't call it junk food. I wasn't in the mood to be working, but like in my head, I'm like, I wish more people would know. I just wish more people would believe it also. You know, they don't necessarily believe it, but we're trying, we're trying to change the narrative. Yeah. What, one person at a time. It's like that, it's like that, um, that like story of like the kid on the sea who's throwing back a starfish and the whole entire sea is covered right you know that story no I don't tell me oh there's like a shore covered in starfish because the tide went out and these starfish were all dying 
So those little kids walking down the shore and he's throwing back a starfish, then another starfish. And an older kid comes over to me. He's like, what are you thinking? Look at the shore. It's covered in starfish. You're not making a difference. Mm -hmm. The kid looks at him and bends down and picks up another starfish, throws it back in. And he says, I made a difference for that one. Mm, so cute it's true yeah it's true you're doing it thank you and that's why we're here you know that's why we're doing this work because like yeah like people like you are actually listening and actually changing and actually working using it clinically it's like it it does work it does work you know I am so grateful to you and I am totally joining a group I'm really excited to like really commit and take this to the next level I've been following you for, for so many years and I haven't yet actually like sat down and said okay I need to work with a nutritionist um because I really I really love it I love the principles and I love the idea of it and I see how uh, like like we said like how humanistic it is and I need to I need to do it more I'm like yes okay so I am I'll just plug my group that god willing I'll be starting another group Uh, it's hard to get a group together with the same times that people want so I feel like I'll just say this year that I'm, tr- I'm going to try to just like start groups and then people want to join, they'll join and I'll try to keep it like, even if you join midway, you'll just continue till the end of the principles. But um, anyways, this is amazing. Is, is there anything you wanted to leave the listeners with? Or if you want to leave an email address, is, is could people contact you? Sure. Um, I have a website. Um, it's again, hard spelling. I should make it easier. It's www.lifespanneuropsych.com, lifespanneuropsych, or just Google Paral Agustin. There's only okay. one Paral Agustin in the world, I'm pretty okay. sure. Um, I'll put it in the show notes so people could find thank it. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, um, I do, like, I, I do therapy remotely in New York and I do therapy here in Israel. Um, and I'm, and I come in twice a year and do neuropsych evaluations and I, I still have openings for my July slot. So, okay. That's good to know. I'll, I'll get, I'll put that, I'll put that in the show notes if people could just like click. And also, um, are you taking new clients? I am. Okay. Yeah. So perfect. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great day. Thank you for inviting me. It was so much fun. Take care. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode. And I would love it if you can leave a rating and a review and share the podcast with anyone who you think would benefit or you love and you want to teach them about intuitive eating health at every size and even if you feel like they're totally stuck sometimes just planting the seeds or um, somebody who you know who's struggling who might like this information uh share it and the more that you share it and like it and and leave reviews the more that the more more people could hear about it so please do that and if you are interested in working with me you could go to my website, gilaglassberg.com, and you could either sign up for a 20-minute call or you could send me an email through my website, but my email address is gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com. You could also sign up for group coaching, which I'm still recruiting for, and I'm really thinking about just opening it up and having it as an open group so people could trickle in and join whenever they want and get learn about intuitive eating and gain the support that they need. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I would love to hear from you. Have a great day. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.